0: our Savior, our Lord, and our life.
1: Dear ones, we are just so excited to have you here today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm John Russ, and I serve as a host, and I try to corral
2: (laughs) my dear friend, (laughs) Pastor Frank Friedman. Man, it's good to see you and hear your voice today. Oh, it's good to hear you. It's always exciting to talk about God's Word, the truth that sets us free, and have people experience the freedom that's their birthright in Christ. So I'm looking forward to today.
1: Amen. Well, my friend, you know that the last couple of episodes, we took a little break, from talking about pivotal words in scripture, and we talked about a fair proofing your marriage. Well, today mm. we're going to go back to that series on pivotal words. And Frank, I'm going to warn you, we are going to kick anthills today because the topic we're going to talk about, the paralyzing topic, is God's will. Mm. And wow, what a huge issue among believers. Frank, it shouldn't be, but it is. Why is that?
2: Oh, John, you know, I think it's multifaceted. When a person comes to know the love of God, that he gave everything for them, he gave his son. There is within us as human beings, a desire to respond to that love. So we want to please God. But God, in a very real way, is larger than we're ever going to know him. You know, even though Paul himself said, you know, I'm on a journey. I haven't arrived. I'm pressing on to know him. And yet, in John 17, Jesus said, we know him. <laughs> so we know him, but we're always coming to know him. And so there's a sense of, of mystery to God that's constantly being unfolded to us, And I think wrapped up in that mystery is this idea in people. And that's a very important point, John, this idea in people. I don't think it's in the mind of God, but in people that the will of God is somehow mysterious. And I have to search for it desperately because I'm also now in fear that I'm going to displease God if I'm not in his will. Oh, oh my goodness. uh, You know, so it's a. It's a hodgepodge and there's a lot of confusion out there. And that confusion, as we know, John, is not from God because he's not the author of confusion.
1: Amen. So being the nerd guy I am, when it comes to God's will, I Googled it, you know, how to Ah. know God's will. And Frank, not a word of lie, because I do exaggerate sometimes for effect, but I'm not exaggerating now. (laughs) These are actual websites I found as the top hits you ready for this? Buckle up. Yes, sir. Okay. Five simple ways to know God's will. The next one was six steps on finding God's will. Eight steps to knowing God's will for your life. It's getting worse, man. Nine, Uh-oh. Nine practical steps to know God's will for you. And then I saw one that was a little bit encouraging. It said, hey, God's will for your life is more obvious than you think. Well, hallelujah. I'm already up to to nine steps. I can't get past one or two steps and I get lost. So I tell you, man, if you go to the websites and you read a lot of stuff that's on the websites, you get the idea that God's will is a puzzle. And Mm. that just does not sound like my father, does it?
2: Mm -mm. John, let's just give an illustration. You have kids. I have kids. When we were training our children, neither one of us said to our kids. Now, listen, kids, I have a will, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're (laughs) going to have to search for it really, really hard. Come on, search, search. And I'll tell you what my will for your life is. We didn't do that. That would be mean. (laughs) Why would we think God does that? Because he's the perfect father. doesn't make sense, John. No, it really doesn't. And the
1: more I looked into those websites, because after I slapped my head and said, what on earth are they talking about? I was intrigued. So I started to read some of these five, six, seven, eight, nine steps. And this is the picture I got, Frank, that God's will was a giant maze Mm. uh, with high walls, no hints or very few hints, lots of dead ends, lots of retracing steps, lots of bumbling, and it's almost like God is in the center of the maze waiting for us to figure out how to live a godly life that's honoring to him, waiting for us to figure out how to stop sinning. And when we blow it, and we do a lot, he just says, "Tisk tisk, what a loser. Are you ever going to figure this out? Frank, this is a horrible mm. image of God, but These are the top 10 hits when I search for knowing God's will. What a tragedy.
2: Oh, John, it is a tragedy. I mean, it's like being dropped off in the middle of the Rocky Mountains without a map and without a compass. I mean, you're going to feel lost. And I think that's what's happening to a lot of Christians. They have a heart to please God and put a smile on his face, which is nothing wrong with that. A lot of times people in the grace community think behavior is not important anymore. Uh, No, behavior is not an issue when it comes to being saved, but behavior is an issue in terms of our walk. We want to walk in a manner that's like Ephesians says, worthy of his calling on our lives. We want to please him. And if I don't have a compass and a map for how to do that, I'm going to feel lost I'm going to feel very disconnected from God. And that's going to ultimately lead to this thought process that God must be displeased with me because I'm not walking in his will. So this is a, a horrible, horrible thing for Bible teachers to do to God's children.
1: It is. Uh, when you listen to you talk, the picture came into my mind of walking along a knife edge on a mountain trail with steep drop-offs on both sides, and the trail is treacherous. My goodness. When I see that mental picture in my mind, and then I match it up to verses like, hey, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Mm -hmm. You know, There's just a dichotomy, Frank. And I think with the Holy Spirit's help over the next several episodes, we're going to begin to unpack exactly what God's will is, what it looks like in our lives, what it looked like in Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. And then begin to live in such a way that we honor him. We don't mm-hmm. sin. We, we rejoice. We delight in him. And we, we cultivate that intimacy. Because, Frank, that's really the secret, isn't it?
2: Oh, John. You know, um, Jesus said it. He made it very clear. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them are eternal life. But I tell you, that book... Talks about me, Jesus said. I am life. And so this thing is ultimately not about a doctrine, not about being correct, but allowing the doctrine to do what it's intended to do, which is to lead us to an intimate relationship with the God who has amazingly, through the work of Christ, become one with us He is in us. We are in him. He did not become us. We did not become him. We're two, but we're one. And we live as two separate people, persons, if you will, in this intimate oneness. And that's what this thing's all about. It's always, has been, always, will be about relationship.
1: Amen. You said that, brother. All right. Enough about the problem. Let's start to dive into this topic and see what we can learn about God's will. The first thing that struck me, my friend, was that God's will was a big deal to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Here are just two verses, and there's a bunch. Here are just two. John 6, Jesus says, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so Mm -hmm. right from the very beginning, we see a couple of things. That Jesus has a will, Mm -hmm. and he had to align that will with his fathers. And here's another one, John 5, I could do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So from the very beginning, Frank, Jesus, our older brother is setting a pattern for us that God's will was premier in his life. Mm. Uh, and it needs to be
2: premier in ours. Did I get that right? I think you're exactly right. I think what I would do right there in response to what you just said is to go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's how Jesus came to this planet. You know, I often ask people, how did Jesus do all that he did? He walked on water, healed the sick, raised the dead. How did he do that? And a lot of Christians mistakenly say, well, he did that because he was God. No, no, no. Read Philippians 2. He chose during the time of his earthly sojourn to not live out of his godness, but to live as man, only dependent upon his father. So he was the first one who ever lived, Proverbs 3, 5, trusting in God the Lord, submitting to him. Uh, Do not lean on your own understanding. You know, don't try to figure everything out. That's not your job. Your job was to trust him. And then he adds, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And that's that issue of will. Choose with your will to yield to him. And the second is such a great promise. He will direct your path. And then at that point, people usually ask, well, how does he do that? And that's where I kick him to Psalm 37. You know, delight in him. He'll give you desires. He'll put desires in your heart to want to please him. And desires that are great for you, by the way.
1: Oh, that's right. Because he knows what's best for us. We think we do, but usually we don't. Reading this verse again, listen to you talk. And this is a little side rabbit trail, but I think it's pretty cool. I don't want to spend much time on it. But it says, as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It just struck me uh, as I was reading that earlier from John 5, that mm-hmm. his judgment was right because he didn't worry about making the right choice. He sought his father first, his father's will, and his judgments automatically fell into the right track. That's sort of a little bit of an explanation or an expansion on what you just said about delighting yourself in the Lord. But when you seek our Father's will, our judgment will be sound. What we choose will be right. Not because it's the right choice, but because we are focusing on our Father and that aligns everything else up with Him, doesn't
2: it? Oh, John, That's a a great set of statements you just made. What popped in my brain as I was listening to you was James, where he says, you don't have because you don't ask. And, you know, almost every Christian I've ever met uh, takes that as a promise, as a charge from God to ask for what you need in terms of things. But we can certainly, and I think supremely, put this to the discussion of Father's will. You don't have because you don't ask. He's willing to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. But most of us were so trained before Christ to live independent of God through our birthright in Adam, where we'll function as God and we'll pursue our will, that we all had to enter a training school where we learned to say, hey, Father, what do you think about this? You know, what's your word on this? Show me what you're thinking. I'd like to hear that. Most of us just don't do that until it's a really big deal. (laughs) And then we do it out of desperation. But this is talking about lifestyle.
1: Yeah, it's really a lifestyle of walking hand in hand, inviting Jesus into every conversation. You know, every trip you take, everything you do. I know when I go out for bicycle rides, I do two, three times a week, long rides. I'm out for hours. And I just say, okay, Jesus, let's go have a great time together. You know, what do you want to talk Um, about today? And it has just, no, that didn't happen immediately. It took mm -hmm. a lot of years, but eventually it becomes more of a lifestyle,
2: Mm. uh, doesn't it? We have a dear elder at Grace Life. And as we've been teaching the new covenant for 30 plus years and how to live out of it, his car window broke. And so he got a quote from the dealer and it was astronomical. And he he's, well, I'm not going to pay that. I'm going to do this myself. I hope you heard what I just said. <laughs> I'm going to do this myself. So he went out and bought himself a new window and took the door apart. And, and he's working out there for about seven hours and he just can't get it right. Finally, out of frustration, he told us, he said, wait a minute. I got to do what Pastor Frank's been teaching all these years. Lord, you know how to do car windows. Would you please show me how to do this? And he said within 30 minutes, he knocked it out. And then he was saying to himself, why didn't I ask seven hours ago?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, as funny as that is, Frank, we all fall into that boat, don't we? It's amazing. Talking about the will of God versus our will, we all struggle with that. As we're getting ready to do this recording, the Spirit took me back to Isaiah chapter 14. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a test, Reverend Friedman, and see if you pass it. Oh my goodness, I know that
2: chapter. (laughs) Okay, Isaiah
1: 14. I'm going to read these words, and you're going to tell Mm -hmm. me who said them, right? Here we go. "'I will ascend to heaven. "'I will raise my throne above the stars of God. "'I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly.'" I will make myself like the most high. Okay, Frank, here's the test. Who said that?
2: Oh, John, that was Lucifer, the son of the morning, who decided, I don't like being that chief and best angel. I want to be God. And then in a very real way, John, I'll add a part two, the sons of the enemy, those who walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We said those things. Before That's Christ. right.
1: It's amazing, Frank. I was thinking about this. And what are some of the very first things a young child learns to say, especially if he has siblings? He say, mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, And then all the way up to Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. Isaiah 53, he nailed it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Frank, the problem we saw in Isaiah 14 with Lucifer, whom we now know as Satan, our enemy. This all started in our camp way back in Genesis 3, didn't it? When mm-hmm. Satan passed that very same, I will thought to us. How'd that oh, happen?
2: Yeah. You know, he came to Eve. God had said, you can eat from every tree, but that one, and the enemy came along and put doubt into Eve's thought patterns Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from every tree? And she said, no, just that one. But in buying that lie and in encountering the liar, the goodness of God was questioned in the heart and mind of Eve. It's almost like, God's holding out on me, and then therefore that must be a really good tree, and I'll be my own God and follow that counsel of Satan who said, in the day you eat, you will be like God. And you know the idea there, John, look at how gloriously you're created. My goodness, Psalm 8, you're the Prince and princess of creation, the Lord and lady. How demeaning to have to depend upon God. Why not do it yourself? You're equipped. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, goodness, John. It hit me as you were talking. I've never seen the book of Judges this way until you just brought this up. But we have an entire book about people who did what was right in their own eyes doing it their way. And it's simply the same story over and over and over in the lives of different people. Almost like God is repeating himself, saying, look at this person's life, look at that person's life, look at this other person's life. Are you hearing me? When you do it your own way, you're going to get into trouble. And then in the judges, there was always somebody who said, wait a minute, let's turn to God. And then they would be delivered. So, John, I've never seen this, but the judges is like repetition, repetition, repetition in people's lives. Doing it your own way. It doesn't work. People read <laughs> yeah. judges. It's, it's really,
1: You know, like you said, don't spend seven hours trying to replace a car window. Start by saying something simple. Father, help. <laughs> you know, that's all it takes, man. Help. Yeah. All right. We want to wrap up our chat today, Frank, and we're going to be finished describing the problem, and I want to ask you this question. This is a million-dollar question. You've talked to lots of believers over the years, and I would guess that if you were to ask the average Christian, the average pastor even, uh, what they will say is God's will for their life, you might get something like this. Well, God wants us to pray. God wants us to read our Bible. He wants us to have quiet time. He wants to go and give to a local church, support missions, feed the poor. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Mm. Well, Frank, all these things are good things to do. But as we'll find out next time, not a single one of those is clearly expressed in Scripture as God's will for us. So it seems like if we don't know God's will, we don't know where to look or how to find it or what it means in our lives, We substitute, Frank, we substitute Mm -hmm. doing things for living in the will of God. Did I get that right? Preacher, Uh counselor, pastor, reverend?
2: (laughs) Well, John, I do have to point out that you missed the big one. What's that? It's the will of God that we not sin. Oh, that's right. Sin. (laughs) Sin. (laughs) And the church becomes so sin conscious and we miss the point. Jesus Christ did not die just to deal with our sin issue. He died so he could restore us to God, so we could live in intimate relationship. And you know, John, I want to add one thought. People listening today might be thinking, well, you make it sound like God is concerned with everything in my life. Well, he is. Guess what? He Uh, is. they, They feel like, well, I shouldn't bother God with what's School to go to or which car to buy. Why would you think like that? I mean, I'm a parent. I want to be involved in my kids' lives. But on the flip side, I've met people who've turned this into a bondage, John. They ask God which shoe to tie first, which cereal to eat. If my child asked that of me, I said, Well, tie whichever shoe you want and eat whatever cereal you want. <laughs> you know, we've got to be smarter than that because the enemy will take this really beautiful thing that God wants to be involved in your life and turn it into God being some codependent on you. And we don't want to distort this. It's beautiful. He puts his hand out and says, tell you what, John, I'll walk with you. You want to walk with me and we'll walk through this life together. And that's the beauty,
1: John. Amen. Well, my friend, those sound like excellent closing comments. And I will encourage our listeners to join us next time because uh, now that we've described the problem, we're going to begin to take a deeper dive into scripture because as it turns out, there are actually only about seven different verses where the phrase God's will is actually mentioned. And you'll be surprised as I was as to what those verses actually talk about. So please join us back next time. And thank you for joining us today. We trust that uh, our initial discussion of God's will has at least provoked some interest and uh, perhaps even been a blessing. So thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast, and we invite you as always to check out our website, ourresolutehope.com. We've been working on that a lot. As In fact, I spent two or three hours on it last night, updating new content, new presentations. So please check it out. There's lots of stuff on the website that would uh, bless you and most importantly, lead you to the face of our savior, Jesus Christ. And as always, we close with this same reminder from Hebrews chapter six, Frank. We say it every time, but it never gets old that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. It's a living hope. It's a blessed hope. It's a resolute hope. That's what we call it. So today and always choose hope and choose Jesus.
0: Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope